That song is called Completely, and it's by a group called Among the Thirsty. As we talk about today's topic, our, our focal point for today is God's plan for maturity. But not just random maturity, it's God's plan for, for our maturity. Uh, this song that, we, that they just sang, it outlines some things that are kind of fundamental for God's plan for our maturity. And in case you missed it, here's what I want to do. Real quick, I want to start off a little different. Go ahead and set your Bible down if you're holding it. Go ahead and put your, your phone or your tablet or, or whatever your Bible may be on. Put that down. Um, and, and what I want you to do is, is I want you to close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. I won't throw anything at you, I promise. Um, and, and I want you, I'm, I'm going to share the lyrics, some of the lyrics from this song. And I want, them, I want you to let them be your opening prayer for today. To get you ready to understand what, what God wants for you and for your maturity and how that factors in with our series on immeasurably more because there's so much he, he can use us for. And so just, just close, your, close your eyes. And, and, and as you do this, if there's a line or a phrase that, that I read from this song that strikes you, that maybe that's where your life is, take a minute and pray about it as we go through this. I want you to really prepare yourself and I want you to really be ready to hear what God's plan is for you for spiritual maturity. All right, here we go. Everybody, eyes closed. You can, you can fold your hands if you want to. You don't have to, but just um, think, think this through. I'm feeling so small. I'm standing here, weeping, as I'm coming clean of the secrets I'm keeping because I've caused so much pain. I don't know if that speaks to you right now, but I think at some point we've all been in this place. Cause so much pain to the ones I love most, and I'm falling apart as I carry my heart to your throne. I hope that if you come here today, this next chorus is you. I am completely surrendering, finally giving you everything. You are my redeemer. I run to the cross because you are more than enough. Lord, complete me. Because I'm yours completely. I'm letting go. There's nothing I own. The treasures I held just weigh down my soul. There's nothing left inside of me but a longing for you. A longing to be the man that you need. But I let your gifts take the place of you. You pulled me up. You pulled up my selfishness from its roots. I am a broken and fragile me. But I am where you want me to be. Father God, I pray that each and every person here is at a point ready to completely surrender themselves, giving you everything. As broken and as fragile as we are as individuals, that makes us even more fragile as a group. And, and as you inspire for us to have immeasurably more, to be immeasurably more than what we allow ourselves to be for you, I pray that as we're here this morning, you will do just that. You will take what's broken and what's fragile. You will help us to leave those things that keep us from you, that we leave them here, that we can truly give you everything, not just 
the good side of us that we see, but we can give you the bad stuff. We can give you the junk because you are big enough to handle it and to take it from us. Lord, you are our Redeemer. And as we run to the cross this morning, I pray that it will resonate in each one of us that you are truly more than enough. You are more than our addictions. You are more than our struggles. You are more than whatever it is we may be putting before you. Lord, I pray that as we open your word, as we we open ourselves, that you will completely be here. And that by the end of this, we will completely be what you want us to be. Show us that. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. You know, the, the circle of life is a crazy thing. And I don't mean the Lion King version of the circle of life. I mean just life as it is. Every baby is a toddler, and every toddler wants to grow up. And as you're in, in elementary and middle school, you, you want to grow, you, you want to be bigger, especially if you have an older brother, an older sister. And, and, and I love toddlers because they walk around, they go like, I'm big, I'm this many, you know. And, and we have some adults that do that, but that's a different story. But, you know, they, they go around, I'm a big boy now because I can tie my shoes, or I'm a big girl, look at my pretty dress. And, and, and from there, you become a junior higher, and every junior higher just can't wait to get out of those awkward years of junior highness, all right? And, and some of us, you think back, you'll understand it. Some of you are there right now, and you're just, you want to get out of that. You want to go to high school. You can't wait to get to high school. And then when you're in high school, you want to turn 16 so you can drive, and you don't have to ride on the cheese wagon anymore. That's the bus, by the way, because it's big and yellow. You don't want to ride the bus to school, so you want to drive. And then every high schooler can't wait to graduate. You get senioritis by about your junior year, and you're already looking at, I'm out of here. And then every college student can't wait to get their first professional job, and every professional can't wait to retire. <laughs> then everyone who is retired wants to go back to when they were a kid and didn't have a care in the world and had all the energy they needed. It, it's the circle of life. It's, it's what we do. But growing up is natural. From baby to toddler to child to teenager, adult, middle age, and then the golden years. As a matter of fact, if a child doesn't begin to grow and continue to grow, there's a serious problem. Uh, To grow physically, we need things. We need things like food and exercise, fresh air, water, and, and other things. And when certain things are missing, it will stunt our growth. Or when we put certain things into our bodies, it will stunt our growth. It's just like God designed us in the same way to grow spiritually, uh, to grow physically. He designed us to grow spiritually. He wants us to grow individually, but he also wants us to grow collectively. This morning, we're going to see how God wants us to grow up in Christ. Now, I'm going through Ephesians, and in the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul's been challenging us in many ways. He's been preaching about theology and doctrine. And in the next three chapters, by the way, we're going to hone in on chapter 4. So you can go ahead and grab your Bibles or your phone or whatever and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. He's been talking about theology and doctrine. And and in these next three chapters, Paul's going to get into where we live. And he's going to be talking about our duty as Christians. And some of you for the first time may be going, wait a minute, I have to do something here? I thought Christ did everything. I just have to show up and smile. We have a responsibility as Christians. As a matter of fact, as future heirs, okay, we have current responsibilities now. All right? Uh, many times we hear people say, I hear people say, don't give me all that doctrine stuff. Just let me live the Christian life. Or, or hey, I pray every day, all day long. I, I don't need to get bogged down in doctrine and reading Scripture and, and the Bible. 
And then there's my personal favorite we hear on TV a lot, the, and the interweb blogs and stuff like that. It, it makes no difference what you believe. As long as you're sincere and a good person, it's all going to be okay. Or, or all, all roads lead to the same place. All, all religious roads lead to heaven. I'm sorry to say, but that just shows our ignorance when we buy into that stuff. The reality is, folks, we cannot live right if we don't know the right way to live. And, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. God's plan for maturity. You see, because what we believe determines the way that we behave. What, what you believe as fundamental will determine the way that you treat your parents. What you believe as a husband uh, from Scripture will determine the way that you treat your wife. What you believe as a Christian will determine the way that you treat your boss or the people that you work with. And so it's always good to know what you believe first because what you believe determines the way that you behave or the way that you live. And to grow up individually as well as a congregation, we must be unified. And that's one of the things that chapter 4 of Ephesians is all about. And unity and maturity. Now, there's a whole lot here in these first 16 verses. They are packed full of good stuff. And I'm just going to be hitting the highlights today. But I want to encourage all of you to read through chapter 4 in Ephesians this week. I want you to see, not just to, to read it so you can come back and go, Hey, I read it. But to see how you can apply it to your life as an individual uh, who, who is growing and maturing in Christ, and also as a member of, of the family of God here at Huntsville Christian Church. Let's go ahead and start off. We're going to read Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. He says, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in, in the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And we're going to stop there. In verse 1, Paul urges us to live a life worthy of our calling. We have been called by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And with that in mind, Paul says, it's now time for us to live up to this high calling. Our walk should be just as worthy as our calling. We have been called to grow up and to maintain unity. Notice that I said maintain unity because unity was already established by God. We read about that in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. And it says this, Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Brothers and sisters, God through Jesus Christ has brought the Jews and the Gentiles together. We are no longer separated. We are one people, one body, unified by Christ in his church. Amen? Don't say it if you don't mean it. Verse 4 tells us to make every effort to keep the unity established by God. Make every effort means we're going to have to work at that. It means it may not come easy to maintain unity. We have to do whatever it takes to keep unity here. Let me put it to you this way. It takes a lot of time and effort and energy and work to have a good marriage. It takes the same thing to maintain a strong local congregation. It takes effort. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes investment to have a strong local congregation that can be a good reflection of Jesus Christ. 
There can be no silent treatment in the congregation. I know that doesn't happen in your families or mine, but I've read about it in other articles and blogs where it happens from time to time where somebody gets upset and what's wrong? You should know. And then your wife says, come on, honey, talk to me. See, see y'all thought I was going somewhere else with that. See, we do. We, we do the silent treatment. We, we also, we do that one where, you know, I can't believe all I did was ask my husband to do one thing and he wouldn't even watch, stop watching football long enough to help me, blah, 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 whatever it is on social media. And then all your girlfriends like it. No, that, that we shouldn't do that either. We don't go around on social media uh, talking about people or about our spouses, or or about other people in the church, or how they hurt your feelings. You see, because we have a choice to make when we're faced with those decisions. We have an opportunity when something comes up of whether or not we should just go to somebody and talk about these things. And that's what we should do in our marriage. That's the work part of it. Guys, men, women, when you know you did something stupid, just say you're sorry. It's not worth two weeks of silent treatment, or sleeping on the couch, or whatever it is that happens in your home. Just make it right. Because just like in our families, the same thing in our church, when we're not communicating with one another, Satan gets a foothold. Whether it's husbands and wives or, or sons and daughters and, or brothers and sisters, or cousins, when we're not communicating, when we're not all about God's business and growing towards the same things, Satan gets a foothold. And then he begins to separate. And we can't have that. And so that's where we, we're faced with a decision of, of just, just go to somebody. Don't let the communication stop. In verse 2, Paul gives us the first step in maintaining unity, and this will also lead us to maturity in Christ. He says, every Christian, that's us. That means you and me, we are to be humble. And you can write these down. There's going to be a short list of some things that we should be in order to, to maintain unity, in order to mature in Christ. So humble is the first one. And to be humble means that, that we shouldn't think more of ourselves than, than we actually do, okay? Um, but at the same time, God doesn't want us to think less of ourselves. We are an heir. We are, we are a child of the king, and that's a good thing. But, but being humble through humility, we need to be that reflection of Christ. Part of being humble means we treat others with respect. No matter where they're from or what they do or, or what stage in life they're in, we treat them with respect. It means we don't lift ourselves above others, and we don't think less of others. Being humble essentially means that we're willing to put other people before ourselves. The next thing we need to be is gentle. And, and this word for gentle, uh, for meekness, the word is meekness. But being meek doesn't mean being weak. There's a big difference there. It's, it's strength that is harnessed and controlled. For example, like a bull or, or an ox, a huge animal. But when harnessed, it does the work that it's asked to do by the farmer. And it's under control. Uh, there's an old farmer at a rodeo one time was telling me how gentle bulls really are. And he said, you know... If you got a baby bull and you came out every day and you picked that baby bull up three times a day, when the bull was full grown, you could still pick him up and the bull would let you. That was his example of how gentle bulls really are. My question was, why would you want to? You know, but it kind of it, obviously it resonated with me. They're, they're not as, as rough and tough as we make them out to be. He's like, they're, they're one of the most gentlest things. They can be provoked. <laughs> they can be provoked to anger. But, but essentially, all that power, and they don't realize how strong they are sometimes. Patience is the next thing. This is every Christian's favorite thing to pray for and, and to practice. Uh, can I get an amen? No. Okay. Patience is this. It's that long-suffering. 
And, and it's not always long-suffering because you did something or because you didn't do something. Maybe it's long-suffering with aggravating people. You know, maybe it's your, your work, and you're going to have patience with the people at your work. Um, maybe there's people in the church that just aggravate you. And so long-suffering is you bear with them, you hold your tongue. You go back to that respect and that humility. You, you bite your lip, you treat them well. This is where we learn to live together as brothers and sisters, just like a family learns to live and grow together with one another. And, and don't worry, there's a cousin Eddie in every family, and there's usually a couple of those in every church family. So it's okay, all right? Um, the next thing is bearing in love. We need to bear, bear with one another in love. This means we learn how to show tolerance. We may not always agree with one another, but in things that, that are not scriptural, in things that are not a test of fellowship, in things that don't really matter, we can still disagree. I still think the Miami Hurricanes are the best football team ever, even though they lost by four points last night. Nothing else matters to me, okay? They're winners in my book because they whooped them the first half, and we'll take it, but that's... <laughs> We can agree to disagree. I know some of you think Alabama's better, uh, Auburn, whatever. Um, it doesn't matter. That is not a test of our fellowship. And so, so we can bear with one another in love. But we also need to walk together in harmony on things that do matter. We need to be of one accord. We need to understand that. And we need to be a reflection of that in our community and in our jobs and within our family. One day you'll all love the Miami Hurricanes too. But we'll... And we need to do that out of love and respect for one another. Because it's only when we, when we truly love one another that we can share the same space, that we can be that reflection, and that we can be that, that impact in our community that Christ wants us to be. You know one of the funniest things about toddlers is when you take something that belongs to them. <laughs> Even when you say, hey, can I see that? And they go, uh-huh. And they give, it, they give it to you. And about 10 seconds later, they go, mine! And they grab it back. I love that. They yank that toy or other toddlers. Listen, we can't be like that. We're to be mature. We need to share. We need to live at peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can't be like toddlers. And when, when Paul says, make every effort to keep unity, it's going to take us being humble. It's going to take us being gentle with one another. It's going to take us being patient with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Do those things sound familiar? Kind of like maybe some of the fruits of the Spirit? Eh, somebody may have preached on those not too long ago. We need to make sure that we are loving to one another, no matter what the circumstance. We can work through all kinds of issues, but we need to do it in love. In verses 4 through 6, Paul reminds us that the unity that we have because of God. He says, we have one body, the church of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ, which he purchased with his own blood. There, there are not a bunch of churches there, there is one church, one body. Anyone who has followed the biblical plan of salvation belongs to that body. One Holy Spirit. God's word describes this best in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. We receive the Holy Spirit when we were baptized into Christ. One hope. One hope. Our hope comes through Jesus Christ and him alone. Salvation, forgiveness, eternal life, all possible because of Jesus Christ. This is the only time we can place all of our eggs in one basket, so to speak. Because all of those things come from Christ. One Lord. There's only one Jesus Christ. He is God's only Son. The one who left His throne in heaven and lived on this earth. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. He was buried and He rose again on the third day. And He now sits at the right hand of God, the Father in heaven. And just to be clear, there is no name under heaven by which we can be saved except Jesus. 
One faith. We have one Lord. We have one faith. We have one hope. One faith. This is the gospel we believed to be saved. The good news. And Galatians 1.8 says, but if, but if even we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to let you, or excuse, the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. I think that pretty much sums up all we need to say about one faith. There's one baptism. Folks, the day the church began on the day of Pentecost, the people asked Peter how could they be saved, how they could be saved, how they could be forgiven, how their guilt could be removed. In Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 were baptized and added to the church that day. That is how you enter the church on the first day, and it's how you enter the church today. One baptism. And that's not a membership to the church here. It's bringing you into God's family. This next one's one of my favorites. It, it makes people kind of mad, and I don't mean to make people mad, but it's the truth. There's only one God, the Father of all, the one who is over all, the one who created all, the one who is all. There's one God. I like the way John Stott sums up this great passage that I just read. He said, first, the Father creates one family. Secondly, the one Lord Jesus creates one faith, hope, and baptism. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit creates the one body. One Christian family, one Christian faith, one Christian body. Brothers and sisters, God created the unity. It's now our job as we grow and mature in Christ. It's our job to guard it, to protect it, and to preserve it. Quick question for you. When the day comes that you stand before God and he asks you, did you guard and protect and preserve unity in my church? What will your answer be? Will it go back to some of those things we talked about before? I was, I was too prideful or I was too too busy accepting the gifts you gave me and, and using them and replacing you with them. What will your answer be when he asks you that? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Verse 7 says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Verse 9 in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. We have been called to use our diversities to help accomplish unity and maturity. Verse 7 is a key verse. It says that Christ himself has given each and every Christian a gift or gifts as he sees fit. In the verses that follow, Paul explains the purpose for each person receiving different gifts. Uh, but here's the thing. Christ left his throne in heaven. He came down to the earth. He died on the cross. He rose again on the third day, defeating sin, conquering death, and overthrowing Satan's death grip on mankind. Then he ascended into heaven, victorious as a conquering king. And he gives gifts to his people like a conquering king would do. And there are many different gifts mentioned throughout Scripture. The book of Romans talks about some of the gifts. Corinthians talks about the gifts. And here, some of them are, are, are mentioned. Some of these gifts were limited to the first century, and some still exist today. But here, Paul mentions four of them. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and, and pastors or teachers. And notice, all these gifts have to do with something in common. They have to do with teaching and preaching and expounding the Scripture. You see, unity is based on God's word. And when God's children don't know his word, unity cannot be maintained. 
When we don't know God's word, we can't maintain unity. We can't grow into maturity. We can't be a true reflection of him when we don't know his word. Here's the thing we need to understand. The the thing we need to understand the most is this. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit will never work outside of God's word. As I said, there are many gifts, and the Bible teaches us each and every Christian has at least one gift. Paul will go on to tell us why we have gifts, and guess what? They're not meant to be used selfishly or for our glory or for our financial gain. They are given to us to be used for building up our brothers and sisters in Christ, for building up God's church. Verses 12 through 13 says, To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. And in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Church family, God wants us to be unified. He wants us to grow up and mature in the faith. Just like a baby is supposed to grow up and mature into adulthood. God wants us to grow from spiritual babies into strong, healthy, mature adults in Christ. Listen, if you're not getting into His Word on your own and studying it and applying it to your life, it's not going to work out real well for you. I found this Bible in our library God's Word for Me the Bible for kids it's got pictures here's uh here's Samuel look at that Samuel Samuel what do I say say here I am Solomon it's all these great pictures in the Bible listen if you've been in church for 20 years and you're still reading this you're not really working on maturity this is good. This is a growing tool. It's a good start. But if you're still reading this, if you're, this is the milk that you're still giving yourself. You're missing out on what God's plan is for you. You're not going to get to immeasurably more when, when you're, you're reading the, the picture Bible. When lions roared, Daniel. It's good stuff. It's good stuff for our toddlers. It's not good stuff for us. Listen, if that's where you're at, you will always be an infant tossed back and forth by the waves of mediocrity. Our different gifts are meant to help us preserve the unity as well as help us mature in Christ. We need each other to grow. A football team, is, it, it, it can't be offensive. It's, it's offensive and defensive. You can't have 11 quarterbacks on the field. You, you can't have 11 linemen or 11 running backs or 11 receivers. You have to have diversity with players, with a diversity of talents and a diversity of responsibilities to win a football game. Each position and each player has a purpose and a help to strengthen the team. The church is no different. We can't all have the same gifts. We can't all be coaches. We don't all have the same jobs or the same responsibilities. We need the diversity in order to strengthen the local body and help each one of us mature in Christ. Look at verses 13 through 16. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every kind of doctrine, by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When each one of us are doing the things 
that I talked about here today that bring about maturity, we're going to come together and the body is going to grow and build itself up in love. It's not about numeric growth. It's about spiritual growth. I want to show you a couple of things. These, these are some, some neat items that I've, I've discovered. Here's, here's one. This is really fun. Um, it's, it's got a little ball in it and it's a, it rattles. And then here's, here's another one. It's got sparkly stuff and it's, it's really pretty and it's blue and red. It's very vibrant and, and it's fun to play with. I've got one of these right here. It says, Grandpa's my biggest fan. Yeah, it looks nice. I was going to try to put one of these on, but I don't think they'll stretch that much. Might be a little bit too, too big for me. Um, these, these are onesies. There's baby rattles and, you know, it's kind of like that Bible I showed you. We, we can't fit into these anymore. We used to wear these clothes. And then there was a purpose for it. They put us in these because it's easy to change you and keep you clean. You know, they're easy to wash. They say cute things. Grandpa's my biggest fan. It's been a long time since we fit into one of these, since we had to use one. Why? Because they're for infants. They're for toddlers. We grew up. Have you grown up? Have you grown up spiritually? Have you put on your, your big boy pants or your big girl dress, so to speak? Have you, have you really gotten into the Word of God? Have you wrapped yourself up in it? Are you using your gifts for this body of believers? Are you striving to keep the unity in this body? Are you helping to build up Huntsville Christian Church in the faith so that when we leave here, the community will know there's something different about us, that we are indeed growing in Christ? This is what God has called us to do. This is His plan for our maturity. He's called us to preserve the unity of the faith by knowing his word, by loving one another, and by using our different gifts to build up our family. Not for a, for a selfish, so we can just in here have a big party with a couple hundred people every Sunday, but to build up this family so that we're on a firm foundation, so that we can be a reflection and, and be the hands and feet that we're supposed to be. Brothers and sisters, I want Huntsville Christian Church to be unified. I want each and every one of you to grow up and spiritually mature in the Lord. You know, there's a difference between physically growing up in a church and, and, and growing up spiritually mature in Christ. There's a difference there. And I don't know about you, but I want to grow up in the Lord. I want to continue to grow spiritually. I want to continue to mature in Christ. I know, I know I'm still growing spiritually. The good news is God tells us how. This is his plan for maturity. This is his plan that leads to immeasurably more. Love one another. Stay true to what God has established. Read his word and apply it to our life. And use our gifts to serve others. When we do that, we will have a heart, we'll have a heart change. When you truly do that, you will have a heart change. A heart change for God. A heart change for, for each other. For the way that you see the people around you right this minute. You will have a heart change for our community. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready for a heart change? Are you ready to make a commitment that, you know what, I want to mature in Christ? The harsh reality is this. It's time for us to put the baby stuff away. We can't go on wearing onesies and, and, and reading the picture Bible. It's time to put baby stuff away. It's time to grow up. And it's time for us to mature spiritually. 
I don't know what, that, what your first step is in order to do that, but if, if you've grown up on someone else's faith, now is the time to make your faith your own. Maybe you've been watching Jesus from the sidelines and, and you're ready to make the first step and make him your Lord and Savior. And if baptism is your first step towards spiritual maturity and growth, the baptistry is ready. It might be a little bit cold, but we got outfits and it'll be okay. If you still have questions about what it is to be a Christian, if you still have questions about what you've heard today, or you need prayer or some accountability to continue growing in Christ, respond. The elders are here. They'll they'll gladly pray with you or study with you or set up a time where they can help you with some of that. If If you're ready to partner with Huntsville Christian Church, to be involved with our community, to be a part of something different, now is the time. Our response song today is the same song that we opened with completely. And now that you know what God's plan is for you and how you can mature and how you should mature in him, my question for you is this. Are you ready? Are you ready to completely trust him? Are you ready to do what, you, what he says he will do? Are you ready to trust him to do that? Are you ready to grow in your faith? Are you ready to grow to a place where he is more than enough? That means he's, he's more, more than enough. He's more than your addiction. He's more than, than whatever it may be that keeps taking you down a notch. Are you ready to grow like that? Are you ready to understand that he is more than your non-understanding of the situation you are in? He is more than enough for your struggling relationship or your marriage or your bills that have gotten bigger than you for whatever reason. Are you ready to, to, declare, to just declare that? We, we come here on Sundays and for the moment we are, we are in his word. We're giving him praise. We're giving him gifts and offerings and, and communion. And he has our undivided attention for an hour or so. But before you leave here today, you need to come clean of whatever it is you think you're keeping from him. I don't need you to come up here and confess, and, and but you need to come clean before God before you leave here today. You need to carry your heart to his throne. Surrendering to him for an hour a week is mediocre. At best, it's mediocre. If we're going to be mature, if we're going to grow in Christ, it's time to be his completely. I don't know what's on your mind right now. I don't know where you are or where you were when you came in here, but I do know that you were on his mind the day that he gave his life for you. I know that. Scripture tells us the least we can do is respond by making the commitment to completely do whatever it takes to grow mature, to grow and mature in Christ, no matter what everyone else is doing. Will you stand and sing with us and respond to God's word and his love? It's been great to worship with you all today. But now it's time to go. I love this part because I get to send you out with a challenge. As you go this week, don't go home and forget about what you've heard today. Go home and ask God to show you the areas of your spiritual life where you need to mature or where you need to trust him more to overcome. Ask him what you need to do to be his completely. Go home, read through Ephesians, not just chapter 4, the whole thing. Start with chapter 1 and go through it. Dissect God's word and chew on it. See how you can be immeasurably more for him. Go this week and make a commitment to be completely his. Make a commitment to grow from infancy to maturity, no longer tossed back and forth by our world, but firmly rooted in Christ. And remember as you go, always be a reflection of him. Have a great week.